introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Rolls out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pins oh, it. This. To oh, look Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding All right, and welcome back to another edition of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And uh, I guess building off what we did last week, we're going to do things a little differently again, or maybe it's the same as we did it before. We're going to have a couple segments for y'all today. And uh, I'm going to jump right into this first one here. We got the man, the Saxy Prince, working hard for y'all, dialing in from the car to talk to us about the story that has to- taken over all of Vikings Twitter, which is the situation with one Stefan Diggs, how he's feeling about things. Is he happy? Is there a trade? What's going on? And uh, I feel like this might be a, a bit of, I don't know, we'll say vindication or uh, if, if Saxy is sipping on anything over there, because it seems like not very long ago, just a couple weeks, if even, uh, you know, you, you tweeted some stuff. People got a little upset with you about it. But here we are. There's rampant speculation. Does Stefan Diggs want to be traded? Is he happy? Thielen speaking out. Cousins is apologizing. Saxy Prince, my man. How you doing? How you been? And what is going on in the Twin Cities, dude? Yeah, um, Jason, I don't know if you've ever tried uh, the Minute Maid uh, cranberry apple juice. But it is so delicious when you're sipping on it, knowing that you called the the current events that is the state of the Minnesota Vikings. And I, here's the thing: uh, I'm have you happy. seen have, have you seen the movie The Departed? Yeah. Okay, because as soon as you said you were drinking cranberry, I just thought about that scene from that movie and started laughing in my head, and so I figured I would share. But I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I cut you off if you can. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, yeah, so. Let me let me clarify something. Um, I Stefan Diggs is my favorite Viking right now. Um, I think he represents everything that I want for the team. I think he's our best player. I think he, um, he has that swagger that I, I like for my football players, all that stuff. So understand it it does not please me in any sort of way to hear about trade rumors or him wanting to leave. With that being said, um, the reason why I tweeted what I tweeted is Stefan Diggs is the kind of guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve, right? We know how he's feeling. He's he's emotional, like and that's why he sometimes he won't take interviews and stuff because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, that's why, you know, sometimes, uh, you can see him on the sidelines be a little bit, uh, irritated. You, you, you see him, uh, put that, that energy out and whatnot, because again, he is an emotional guy. Uh, but with that being said, it, 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 I could see it. Um, I saw it last year and I saw it come up quicker this year after that second game. Now, I think sometimes people want to be like, oh, it's only two games, only four games, no big deal. But, the the problem that I have with people who sometimes take that stance is those tend to be the same people that later on down the season, when things start to fall apart, it's like, well, why is everything falling apart? It's like, okay, well, we try to tell you that there's some very obvious signs that 
people are unhappy, they're frustrated. Um, this isn't working the way that it should be. It's the same way where I was uh, a couple years ago with Sam Bradford. I don't know if you remember. Um, you know, we started off like what five and zero, and I was like, hey. Uh, this is great, but I don't really think it's sustainable because of the things that I'm I mean, to be fair with that stuff, I feel uh, like I pay really- most people paying attention realize that winning with a bunch of turnovers per game and the defense scoring eight touchdowns every week was probably not going to be a sustainable way to go. But I feel what you're saying. And on the Stefan, on the Stefan Diggs things, because you mentioned a couple of things there and in Diggs' press conference today, because what you just said, it, it echoed one of the things that, that he mentioned there when he brought up. You know, I've been here for a little while. You don't hear a lot of things about me being a me first type of guy. I'm very much about team. He's like, everything I've been talking about is the team. And so obviously, Stefan Diggs, you said, you know, great player. You know, we go back and look at the film, always open. Looks like, you know, he could be, you know, a top, you know, 10, top five type wide receiver uh, in the league if given the option. Obviously, his ceiling is limited because he's playing across the, the, on the, on the other side of the formation from another top 10, top five type wide receiver talent. Um, but he mentioned team a lot. You mentioned team. And so when you are really breaking this thing down, can you help me get to what is actually frustrating Stefan Diggs? Because I think a lot of times it gets misconstrued or maybe portrayed as him being a selfish. He just wants his targets. He just wants his money. People were tweeting about the bonuses structure of his contract. So what do you think it's all about? Do you think it's about him being upset about his personal, his individual stats, or do you feel like it's more him being upset that he and his buddy Thielen aren't being used to the best of their ability, which in their view is maybe the best or most sustainable way for the team to have success as we move forward. Yeah, I'm going to address a few of those things, Jason, because I think a lot of them play a factor. Uh, one thing is obviously the bonus structures that were that were put out. Um, understand when he's not performing, he is losing money, plain and simple. And it, you know, he's not necessarily. Stephon Diggs doesn't doesn't. Um, he doesn't give me the impression he's the kind of guy who's just like, oh, well, I didn't get the 160, you know, bonus for, you know, 15 catches, 15 extra catches or whatever the case is. But he is losing money. And I think that is important to, to know. But I think what it is, is I want people to understand that to make it to the NFL, right? Or make it to any elite portion of it, really any, anything that you do understand that these people have ego but more importantly they have they have pride in what they do and it's that it's that it's that drive that motivation that pride that we sometimes see explode every so often that got to, got them to where they're at right everybody wants their favorite players to be these nice humble no um honestly some of the most if you're humble sometimes humble people don't eat as well <laughs> like that's just the the truth of the matter uh, but these people, they work, they work their asses off, and yeah, they 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 know they're they're the best, and they're going to they're going to want to perform that way. And part of Diggs's frustration is he knows he's not being his best self. He's not being the best he can be for his team, and also for himself because it's important for himself. I know we look at it as a team game, but like these players, they do care about their stats. They do care that they're looked at as the best. That's what they work hard for. Not just the money. They, 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 some of them work for the accolades. Some of them work for Super Bowls and all that stuff. But they want to be known as the best because that's how hard they work. They put their bodies tirelessly through a gauntlet of workouts and things for fans to hoot and holler. Yes, absolutely. But they don't, 
they want to also get uh recognized for that stuff too just like we do in our in our regular lives so um i think the money thing plays an aspect i think his his uh you know utilization and uh, working that hard plays an aspect and i i'd be remiss if i didn't mention like i also just don't think her i don't think that uh, stefan Diggs likes her cousins very much i don't think he hates them by any stretch of the mind i just don't think that he sold that this is the guy i think Stephon Diggs. I mean, I mean, to be fair, everybody was. I mean, Thielen um, also went out when when we played the the, the Saints last year, and yeah, he, he I, went on a they, what they, was it a, a five minute right. soliloquy about how awesome t- uh, Teddy Bridgewater yeah. was and how he helped turn him into the player he was today. As did like everybody. I think yeah, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody loves Teddy, and it's a special bond, obviously, between a quarterback and a, and a wide receiver. And I think that they haven't established that that trust where he wants to fight for Kirk. So every time Kirk misses him, that's like, man, I can't believe this dude misses me again. I'm wide open. Now, granted, Stefan Diggs probably always thinks that he's open. And that's where it kind of like the ego comes into play. He probably always thinks he's open. But when you look at the film, when you look at all 22, he's right more often than not. He's creating that separation. He's, he is, he's doing his job and, and, and making it, it should be making it easier for Kirk Cousins to, to play. Honestly, you have the best wide receiver tandem in the league. And the fact that the passing game is still struggling would lead one to believe that, okay, it's either a combination of the offensive line or it is just the offensive line or it's Kirk or both. And, and also maybe play calling as well too. But the reality of it is, is he's frustrated because I think all three things that I have mentioned, are all working together cohesively to make him like not happy as a as a player as a teammate and stuff. And I, I, I my hope is that the fan base can take a step back and really truly understand that these people are people who care very passionately about the things that they that they do. And when you care about something passionately, understand it will make you very upset. I've seen people duke it out over like the most mundane Dane details of stuff, but it's because they care so much that you know it does it does fire up some levels of emotion. Well, I mean that's the that's the the truly ironic thing about it is that fans who themselves get incredibly fired up about all of these storylines and all the drama and all the things going on around the team, fans get super worked up about all of these things, yet somehow want the players who actually play in the game and put their bodies on the line for us, for our entertainment. And of course the players get paid, but they're still putting themselves at risk for our entertainment. And um, they expect them to, to, to not have those same feelings of emotion or frustration. Like Vikings Twitter was ready to burn to the ground after the bears game. Um, Long time, you know, purple Kool-Aid type fans were, were coming out saying that they were no longer able to ride for Kirk cousins and all kinds of other stuff was going on from people on the outside and yet, when the people on the inside show a bit of frustration, it becomes um, becomes breaking news. When I mean, it seems like that would be the the logical, the honest thing, where the wide receivers are basically just coming out and saying, "Hey, look, man, we are very good at what we do." Adam Thielen echoed a lot of the same sentiments that you said there, which is like, you know, we put our lives, our blood, sweat, our tears into all of this to to perform and, and go out there week over week. And Stefan Diggs, he was being coy using his words, but he's like, "I'm here to help the team." whether I'm getting a lot of opportunity to do so or very few, they both feel, I think, very, 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 very strongly, and they're both probably right, that if they get the ball more frequently, 
the team will be in a better situation, a better chance, have a better opportunity to win games on the regular. Prince? Yeah, can I interject? Uh, I oh, yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the thing is <laughs> I also got in trouble, as you know, last year because I, I um, had another tweet in which I had said Adam Thielen is, is uh, I didn't say he was a diva. But I just said, like, hey, if you feel OBJ is a diva, then, yo, if you kind of juxtapose it to add the things that Adam Thielen has done, you might see some comparisons. Now, Stefan Diggs is kind of given, getting that, like, oh, he's a diva, he's this, he's having an attitude, which I don't understand because, like I had mentioned before, Stefan Diggs wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I think he knows that, right? And he's making the... Fans would get upset if he went the uh, Antonio Brown route, right? But he was really vocal about his unhappiness. He tried what he can to get out of town in Oakland, uh, posting things all the time, all that stuff. But rel- Stefan Dix has been relatively quiet, right? Except for he might might have a a, um, a cryptic tweet here and there. But after the uh, what was it? At, whatever what game was it that he that we won? It was after the Oakland game. He said, "Yo, great team win, right?" Me, I I I looked into it like a, I think a lot of other fans did. But at the same time, you can't really fault him for saying, like, yo, I'm happy our team won, all that stuff. Um, and I, I take issue with people who say he has an attitude or he has a problem because it's like, what would you rather him do? And, I, and, I, and what I worry about is people are subtly saying, shut up and dribble. Uh, because he is not saying very much. Um, he might be showing a little bit of frustration, like, or it might be clear that he's getting frustration. But understand, if he feels he's too heated to talk to the media, he just won't talk to the media. Like Bomani Jones said, he went out in his work clothes. He went home in his work clothes, right? And I'd much rather have I, I I'd much rather have the the player, uh, maybe not say things that are going to get him and the organization in trouble, than to be overly vocalized. And it just seems like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. And you know how much I hate hypocrisy, Jason. I, I much prefer people to be upfront with what their intentions are. And I just don't think that telling Stefan Diggs the way he's going about things is the wrong way because he's not hurting anybody. He's not hurting the team. He's just been quiet. And it, there have been a lot of rumors and sources and stuff, but he himself hasn't gone out and say, I don't like the Vikings organization. I can't stand Kirk. I don't like playing with my teammates, all that stuff. He's just being quiet. He's just continuing to work hard and do what he needs to do. So that's just something I, I wanted to bring to attention because I've seen it on Twitter a little bit, and I, I wanted to make sure. All right. We well, well Yanka. Oh, no, that, that, and that's absolutely fair. I have one more thing. Yeah, I have yep. one more thing to ask you because my uh, one of my bosses has showed up to let me know that I'm about ready for me to, to wrap this thing up. Hold on one second. Say hi, Zoe. Hi. All right. One more time. Hi. There we go. So Zoe has showed up to let me know that, you know, my clock is uh, is running uh, Taco Thursday, which is uh, basically the leftovers from Taco Tuesday being run it back here, is about to get to go down. So, uh, Prince, last question for you here. Last thing that we need to get out of you. How does the situation get resolved? How do you think it looks? I mean, we play the Giants. They're a team that has been very favorable to wide receivers, if you're thinking about it from a team success or even a fantasy standpoint, for those of us who do have Stefan Diggs and a couple of dynasty teams. But that's neither here nor there. How do you, <laughs> how do you foresee this whole thing 
um, being wrapped up? Does Stefan Diggs get traded? Okay. Does he go for 203 yeah. touchdowns this weekend? Like, how do you see it going? Yeah, so uh, real quick about the Giants. So the Giants are built to stop the run, right? They ha- essentially have three nose tackles. They have run a 3-4. Basically have three nose tackles as their, as their top guys, and they have like a kind of a bunch of scrubs at linebacker slash stand-up de- defensive end. They are not – they are the 31st-ranked uh, pass defense in the league. Kurt Cushion should be able to go for 6,000 yards on Sunday. I think that it's going to be like careful, Prince. Careful, Prince. That might get him another contract in the game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The Viking. This should be a Vikings that the 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 Vikings do a good thing that good teams should do. When it comes to bad teams, they absolutely put them away. Right. Which is why it's an anomaly because they tend to not show up against the good teams. They put the good. They put the bad teams away like a good team should do, but then they are very inconsistent with against the actually good teams, playoff teams. Um, I do envision that this is a game that the Vikings get back on track and all those feelings that are, are there. I think the fan base gets back like, oh, see, it was just a week of weirdness and then it's going to be back and forth. I do think that the Vikings are going to come out really well in this game. I do think Kirk Cousins probably gets back to, you know, being a better on, on the side of being a better quarterback. I think Stefan Diggs gets involved. I think Adam Thielen gets involved. Um, but, oh boy, if that does not happen. <laughs> Against the thirty-first ranked deep, uh, pass defense, yeah, we're gonna have some problems. I don't know. I don't think anyone's gonna get traded. I think I wish to dispel all those things, um, but I do think we'll see more outward frustration um, from coaching staff to to players. And I think some of that, if, especially if he plays like Lemon Booty again, uh, I think some of that's gonna be directed towards Kirk Cousins. Okay, so the so the, the last thing here. Is this one of those games? It looks like Diggs may be in the, the doghouse a little bit. People are speculating maybe the team sent him home. Or today, after practice, he was catching passes from, uh, I think, Jake Browning while the rest of the wide receivers worked with Kirk Cousins. But, you know, as Diggs said, he hopes that uh, they, they let him play. They want to keep him around. Uh, could you see this potentially being a game? Some have said we need a Randy Ratio type game. I think, uh, you know, Ed from the school just said that we need a Diggs directive type game. Do you think this is a game that maybe we go out because it is a softer defense and just try to feed these wide receivers, feed Stefan Diggs to get them feeling good about things, get everything going back the way that they want to make everyone feel good about stuff. And then uh, try to put this whole ugly situation behind us as quickly as we can. Yeah. I, I don't even think it's going to be a diplomatic approach. I think, I think because the giants don't have a good passing defense and they're going to stop the run. Um, I think it, it, they're not even going to take a diplomatic approach and be like, okay, well, to, to make Diggs and Thielen happy, we're going to start passing to them. Like, no, I just don't think we're going to have any choice but to throw the football. Um, and I think because of that, that's going to um, correct a lot of the frustrations and issues that we've had so far earlier in the season. And mind you, all of Stefan Diggs' frustration, like this isn't just because of four games. I tweeted it out earlier. It's because this, is, this has gone back since, since last year. He had those frustrations. We've seen some of those frustrations. So I think you can correct it. And I think this is a get-right game. This is a correct game um, that the Vikings can get back to being 3-2 and two and, uh, and really just get back on track the way that we thought that they were going to be all Boom. Well, that's what we like. And uh, that's it. Prince, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for uh, for bringing the goods, bringing your perspective, and firing back at all the haters who were all up in the mentions after you tweeted these things. A few... All, all of them, them, man. All, all of them. them. I should just so, uh I guess before we get 
out of here and get to the the next segment where we're going to actually have some analysis and talk about things that happen on a football field. Uh, Zoe, you want to say bye? Bye. All right, there you go. Zoe says bye, and uh, we'll be back after a quick break. Y'all have a good one. Bye. All right, y'all. We are back from a little break, and as I promised you, I'd be back with some friends to uh, maybe add a little analysis, a little bit of, uh, you know, football talk, a little bit of nerd talk, whatever you want to call it, to um, the impassioned Saxy Prince segment that we just had. and. you know, to get things going for us this time around, we are bringing together old friends and new friends. And so we're just going to jump in because we have a special guest with us today. And uh, we'll start off with my man, you know, joins me every week. We weren't able to get things in on schedule this week, so I had to bring in the good man, the most wholesome man on all of Vikings Twitter. <laughs> Nick, how you doing, my man? Well, aside from everything going on in the Vikings world right now, I'm doing great. <laughs> that it's is been, a very the Vikings. Very... The Vikings can never suck quietly. We always have to suck in the most like stadiums imploding and and love boats and scandal. And we can never just be like, yeah, it's like a mediocre team. It's like no, there needs to be drama and pain. And I can't handle this Diggs drama because Diggs is my I mean, boy. I mean, to be fair, I mean. To be fair, Diggs is handling this in a very passive-aggressive manner, in the way that one would expect someone from uh, from Minneapolis in the Midwest yeah, to he's, deal he's with something true, like this. He's acclimated uh, very quickly to Minnesota <laughs> culture. Good to see. It's it's and good those, to see all those rumors about him like wanting to go back home to Washington. Now you can tell he's a, he's a true Minnesotan at this point. All the way in, all the way in, and our next guest. He's our friend, our pal, and you know. I I probably would have cheated off him in math class. Nick probably we, we might have both been cheating off Nick. I don't know how that would have gone, but uh, my man, bringing it back to the olden times, Luke, how's it going, dude? What's up, Jason? It feels like I went off to college and now I'm like home visiting for the summer. I know, like our our, our boys all grown up, you know, holding things down on the daily on the Locked On Vikings podcast, which you should be subscribed to if you're not, because Luke does great work. But he's back, hanging out with us here again on the Climbing the Pocket Network. And we got so many things to talk about. It almost feels with everything else that's going on, like we just we didn't even have a game that happened here of late. But we did, and it was bad. So we got to talk about it just a little bit. And uh, and Nick, I'll start with you. As, as you I, t- I feel like you're often the one that, you know, brings me down if I'm, if I'm up too high. And, you know, will bring me back to the middle if I'm down too low. So this game happened. It was not good. No one enjoyed it. And Vikings Twitter and everyone kind of around the Vikings, including, I guess, some of the players, uh, had a bit of a meltdown after this one here. People were very frustrated. And so, Nick, as you've gone back and maybe watched the tape, looked at the numbers, is it really as as bad as, as we all thought it was when we were watching this thing live? I mean, it was definitely bad, especially on the offensive side. The defense looked great. Honestly, that might have been the best game the defense has had. Uh, not just this year, but it's one of the better games they would have had last year too. They look phenomenal. I mean, Everson Griffin. This is this is insane to say, but I think this is the best ever Everson Griffin has ever played. Which you know, at the beginning of 2017, he looked like the best defensive end in the NFL, maybe up there with Cam Jordan or whoever you want to put there. But um, so many players on the defense are playing out of their minds right now. Um, so that was awesome. But the problem was Chicago's defense was playing even better, um, and. The offensive line was a mess, and Kirk Cousins, 
we gave him a mulligan uh, for the for the bad bad outing he had in Green Bay, um, where he was just not taking care of the ball and doing dumb things under pressure and not making plays from a clean pocket either. And then he goes into Chicago, and um, you know it was kind of like uh, the bad Kirk we saw last year, but times ten, where he just wasn't making positive plays. He wasn't throwing downfield his average depth of target. I forget, but it was something ridiculous, like two yards or something. Guys were open downfield, and he would check down to a fullback. Um, it was really bad. And then, yeah, uh, Bradbury continues to struggle a lot in pass protection, and this time not necessarily against uh, any household names. Struggling very badly against backups. Um, so it's just uh, it's a messy situation, and uh, you can see why it led to Thielen and Diggs being uh, visibly upset. So I don't blame him. It was frustrating. Yeah, Nick, so to touch on something that you brought up there, as you mentioned the defense, um, and I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that the defense played so well because when I go onto the interwebs and start looking things up, I've I've seen quite a bit of criticism from you know many people about the defense, people feeling the defense actually didn't do enough and they should have done more and, oh, my God, Chase Daniels cut us up and, and, and all of these things. So can you dig maybe a little deeper into that one and help me understand this narrative that's floating around that the defense didn't actually play well versus kind of what you saw and, and, and what you've analyzed? Part of it, part of the perception, I think, of the defense struggling is is due to, you know, it's a complimentary game and the offense was putting them in bad situations. Like they gave up 16 points. That's not bad. Uh, but three of those points were, you know, after that Khalil Mack strip sack, they were set up, I think, in field goal range. So, um, you know, they they allowed a, they put a three and out right there and held them to a field goal. I think they actually held them to negative yardage. But there's three points that the defense, quote unquote, allowed, even though it was a it was a three and out with negative yardage on that drive. So um, that's part of it. Uh, the other part of it is, um, you know, we held them to a 30 percent third down conversion rate, which is, that's like an elite number. That's like where, where Zimmer was last year at 30%. He finished the year and that was, that was best in the league last year. So they were really good um, by those metrics, but the problem was they managed to string together a lot of third and fourth down conversions on that first touchdown drive. And so when you put it all together, um, you know, it's kind of like a pitcher who allows, uh, you know, one hit per inning versus a pitcher who allows nine hits in, in one inning. Um, when you string them all together at once, that's just kind of bad luck. So that opening drive was tricky. Um, and, you know, I, sh I should say, since this is tangentially related, um, I recently crunched the numbers there. And if it feels like Zimmer's first drive defense is always struggling before he clamps down, that's actually true. Since 2014, when Zimmer was hired, the Vikings actually have a slightly below average defense in terms of um, uh, expected points added per play allowed. Um, on the opening drive of the game. And then after that point, Zimmer's defense ranks second best in the league over the last five years and expected points added per play. So he really clamps down after that first drive. But like we saw last week, um, maybe it's a game script issue or whether it's, a you know, with giving Zimmer time to make adjustments, he tends to struggle a little bit on that first drive. But yeah, the defense played well. The last point that I think plays into it is the fumble luck. Going into this game, the Vikings had one of the better fumble lucks. They were pretty lucky. And then this game, there were five or six fumbles, and um, they didn't really recover any of them. There was one that was, like, recovered, but it didn't end up mattering because it, it, it was that, that one that Brian O'Neill recovered that just um, led to, like, a third and forever. So the drive was over anyway at that point. So, um, But, you know, Mitch Trubisky fumbles twice on that opening drive. 
the Vikings don't get either one to hold back on penalty and the other one, I think, was ruled in an incompletion. And then they had a couple other fumbles that the offense lost that led to points on the board. So really, um, if the fumble luck goes the other way, we're talking about a very different game. So so all those things combined makes it feel like the defense was a lot worse than they actually were when, when really um, you look at either the individual performances or the team performances as a whole. They performed out of their minds. All right. Well, Luke, uh, yeah, takeaways from that game from, from your perspective. Uh, you know, yeah, everyone was, was very disappointed. We had wide res- well, one wide receiver speaking out. We had an apology from the quarterback. Uh, yeah, what, what, what's going on? How do you feel about things? And, you know, Nick really focused in on the defense for us there. So I guess from an offensive perspective, what did you see when you went back and, and, and took a closer look at things? Yeah, I definitely agree with Nick on the defense. Um, and I think just because there were only 10 drives for either team in this game, uh, the small amount of production that the defense did give up like feels way bigger and way more important. Like it's all exaggerated because of the way this team, this game went. And because the offense only scored six, essentially you would have had to shut out the other team for the defense to have won this game. And for just, I think we're like conditioned to just expect that, even though that's completely unreasonable. Um, offensively, I, I would chalk it up for one, the run game got shut down like a ton, right? And this is what the Vikings have wanted to do. They've wanted to like win games through the run. And I'm sure we all have thoughts on a podcast like this. Uh, but the reason that it didn't work as well is one, cause the bears are good, obviously, but two, because I actually went and charted this, the Vikings ran against a positive, like men in box situation where the Vikings had more blockers than the the Bears had defenders in the box once, and it was eight on seven. They were putting eight blockers in the box all game, and eight defenders came in to match them, sometimes more than that, or seven on seven, seven on eight, the, the wrong way. So they were running into some pretty unfavorable situations. The tricks that the Vikings had been employing, a lot of pre-snap motion to try to draw somebody out of the box, uh, weren't working. The, the the Bears were just kind of refusing to do that, and it all kind of fell apart. And I think the coaching failure there is that, or maybe it's a quarterbacking failure because I don't know what the actual plan is, uh, but they weren't checking into something that takes advantage of that alignment because that alignment is going to leave Diggs and Thielen one-on-one on the outside. And if you go and watch the actual tape, Diggs and Thielen were winning all over the field. And of course, Diggs and Thielen weren't getting targeted. And, and instead, you know, Kirk Cousins was like holding the ball too long and declining open receivers, even though they were deep shots, like he was like this huge mess in the game. And that led to all the dig stuff. I'm sure that's already been discussed at length. Um, but that seemed like the opportunity that was there that the Vikings just kind of declined to pursue. And that's really frustrating because when the like it's it's a matter of take what the defense gives you. And in this case, the defense was daring you to take that deep shot to your two star receivers. And the Vikings just kind of didn't. Part of it is coaching and not allowing for that like kill or that audible, that backup plan for when the alignment doesn't work for the run play. But part of it, I think, is also Kirk Cousins not taking those opportunities. I mean, there was a ton of of times on film when he would, you know, it wasn't a matter, matter of pressure. It wasn't a matter of, you know, the throwing window or the timing or anything like that. The throw was there and he could have taken it and he stared at it and watched it go away. Like that happened a number of times in this game. And I think especially after a film session when everybody goes and watches it and Diggs wasn't even in the building there, but I, I like, I can see where the frustration is coming from because it's like, we are better than this 
on tape. We are doing the things we're supposed to be doing, and you're holding on to the ball and taking a sack. So, I, like, the frustration is coming from a fairly justified place. I think the two things that really commit, contributed to that loss, outside of some of the weird luck elements, like the, uh, I mean, it's at Soldier Field. No 50-50 call is ever going to go the Vikings way at Soldier Field. That's the way it's been for, like, 10 years. Um, but yeah, the fumble luck and all that stuff definitely contributes as well, but I don't think you score only six points in a game, even against a good defense in their house without doing a little bit of sucking of your own. Yeah. So one thing I wanted you to, to maybe speak a little bit more on there, because, you know, obviously something we hear a lot about is Kirk Cousins is under pressure a lot. Um, the offensive line is not playing as well as they should. And that's, I mean, we're Vikings fans. It's been a recurring theme for quite some time now. But then you also start looking at things, and a lot of the metrics also have Kirk Cousins taking the longest to get rid of the ball or holding the ball the longest when he just dropped back the pass. So help me understand how those two things that seem like they'd be kind of you know competing or fighting against one another, how that's all working at the same time. Like the offensive line is bad, but Kirk Cousins also holds the ball the longest before he throws it. How does that work? Yeah, so I think there's a causation here uh, that with – Time to throw is pretty heavily correlated. I actually think uh, the doctor, Eric, has done a bunch of work on this, or somebody over at PFF, but there's a pretty strong correlation between like pressure rate and time to throw, which, I mean, makes sense. The longer they stand back there, the harder it is to block for all that time. So I think Kirk Cousins taking a long time for, you know, allowing r- routes to overdevelop instead of throwing with anticipation. Uh, and sometimes it's because it's a shot play. Sometimes, you know, it's because it's a rollout. But even if you take away those rollouts, he still ranks really high in this particular metric. So, like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of blame to be put on the the quarterback there, uh, as well as the offensive line. That doesn't absolve the offensive line. They still do get beat at a rate that is not acceptable. Um, but when you're holding the ball for a long time, and when you are very poor at at manipulating the pocket and just kind of you know taking a step to the left or right, the Drew Brees thing. Uh, just to to manipulate the blocking angles. I mean, imagine if, say, Pat Elfline gets beat by a defensive tackle to your left as the quarterback, right? That's going to happen quite a bit. You take a step to the right, and suddenly he's like directly between you and the defender with leverage. You just made Pat Elfline's job a lot easier. Kirk Cousins doesn't do that to help out his offensive line. So I think that there's a, a little bit of the behavior of the quarterback that kind of... Uh, exacerbates some of the problems that are already there on the offensive line. The line isn't good, but the quarterback play is making them look even worse. Okay, that's fair. And so that's the uh, the game that just passed uh, that seemed years and years ago now with uh, with how the news cycle has gone this week. But there is a game to come. And then I'll get your takes on that. And then, of course, I have to get your takes on you know the wide receiver situation and, of course, Stefan Diggs in particular. So, Nick, uh, it feels like we have a get-right game coming up. Do we have a get right game coming up here? Like, should all be, you know, well in the universe and order be restored after the game against the uh, New York Pat Shermers? I want to say yes. I mean, the Vikings are favored by, I I forget if it's five. It might have moved down a little bit with the Diggs news to 4.5. But the Vikings are favored heavily in this. The Giants are not a good team. The Giants don't have their best player, Saquon Barkley. Um, and I, I know there's been like some uh, speculation that he's gonna he's gonna be back uh, healthy before long, but he's he's not gonna be playing this game. I guess they get Sterling Shepard back, but uh, this is still um, not a good offensive line. A rookie quarterback that Mike Zimmer feasts on, 
and just a really bad defense, like like a really bad defense. They have a below average offense with some interesting uh, things going for them, and and maybe it's an average offense with with Barkley and everybody healthy healthy, but they have just an, an atrocious defense. Um, so with when you put that together, playing at home against a a, a rookie quarterback. Uh, who's not going to be able to as easily communicate with the sidelines or make his checks and calls because of the noise of being in an away stadium. Um, that would normally add up to a lot, but we also saw last year with the Bills game, after Everson Griffin had his had his mental issues, um, it, it had a team-wide effect, I think. And I do think that was a big reason for just how badly we got spanked by the Bills in a game we were favored by like 20 points or something. Um, so with all this digs drama that's going on, maybe this, maybe it's being, you know, uh, amplified by the media and it's not as big of a deal internally. But I mean, when Diggs is, is saying stuff like, are you being traded? Well, I don't know. There's truth to every rumor that is probably going to get some heads talking in the locker room. So, um, it's, it's a weird atmosphere. Um, normal circumstances, I would say, uh, Zimmer should be favored heavily, but, um, with with a with a Pat Shermer, uh, who's we know is a great coach, and some good weapons coming back, um, and some weird stuff going on in the locker room. Who knows, man? Oh, no, that that was not the rousing endorsement I was hoping for here. And and but you mentioned <laughs> you, you mentioned the guy who I guess would, would 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 probably be the X factor on on the side of the Giants there. So Luke, tell me, Pat Shermer, he's he's obviously he knows that Zimmer defense very well. Um, what might be some of the things Pat Shermer would be looking to exploit as they come into this game, as yeah, Nick said, with a with a rookie QB without Saquon Barkley? Uh, where might the, uh, the the Giants look to to find an edge in this matchup? So they actually might have uh, Saquon Barkley. That actually came out in the news today. But the uh, so I actually asked this question of Patricia Trena, who does Locked On Giants. Uh, and I said, you know, hey, here's I kind of here's where the Vikings defense is at. Here's their strengths and weaknesses. What would you do? And her answer was basically take Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, who's returning from suspension, put him in the slot and see if you can't exploit some of the issues that have been going on there. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander made a pretty bad mental error in the Chicago game, giving up a fourth and one by playing too far off. He actually got benched for that. Uh, and, and Mike Hughes has had some spotty play as well coming back. Both of them are kind of, uh, you know, dealing with their own like injury related issues and rust. So that's probably what I would do if I were Pat Shermer is try to run a lot through the slot. Uh, but they don't really have an outside threat. They have a good tight end, Evan Engram. Um, but you know, that essentially means that you can have Rhodes and Waynes funnel everything to the inside and play a kind of shallow tight, you know, middle of the field close type zone, like a cover three where it, it like, it's that, that strategy, while it may pick on, some of the only Vikings defenders who have had struggles here and there kind of plays directly into the kind of scheme that Mike Zimmer like absolutely wants to play. I mean, do a zone blitz, have somebody drop, drop back who wouldn't, or have, you know, Anthony Barr drop back after mugging the a gap and suddenly, you know, the slant that they were trying to run out of the slot, you're looking to pick it off. So I, I think that just schematically, like the giants seem to be like designed by God to lose to the Vikings. <laughs> Uh, like their weaknesses line up so perfectly with the Vikings' strengths that I would be extremely disappointed if we saw another like Buffalo Bills situation and the Vikings struggled here. They have big problems at the tackle position. They've given up uh, more pressures than the Vikings tackles have. 
uh, with Nate Solder, who's given up 13 so far. Uh, Mike Remmers has, or sorry, who's given up, I, I actually can't remember the name off the number off the top of my head, but uh, Nate Solder and Mike Remmers have been worse than Reef and uh, Brian O'Neill. Their pressure generation on the other side off of the edges, their exterior pressure has been really lackluster. Uh, and again, you know, Brian O'Neill is having an excellent year. I think Riley Reef, as an average tackle can handle like Lorenzo Carter and Marcus Golden and their cornerbacks are really, really struggling. So I think it's really important to have digs in this game. Obviously, who knows how that's going to shake out. It's kind of trending toward him playing. He was a full participant on Thursday and it doesn't seem like the coach. I mean, they're like playing it coin be like, we'll see if he plays, but it seems like he's going to play. Um, and that means that he probably gets lined up with the rookie DeAndre Baker, who gave up like almost 300 yards in his first two starts. He kind of pulled it together the last couple of weeks. He's only given 35 yards over the last two games, which is like phenomenal. Um, but you know, that kind of says that he's a big question mark and he's a rookie and a rookie against a guy like Diggs or Thielen, there's going to be a lot of separation there. And the Giants just don't have a lot of pressure generation ability. Even up the middle, their best pass rusher is their nose tackle. So, like, you would have to, I guess, like, line up the nose tackle against Bradbury and Elfline and hope he splits the double team. Like, that's not a strategy that's going to generate a ton of pressure when you don't really have the ability to trust all your other players one-on-one against the better Vikings linemen. So, like, I just don't see the Giants having a lot of firepower and, like, the ways in which they are poor line up perfectly with the ways the Vikings want their opponents to be poor. So I, I put money on the Vikings to cover this this week. I, I actually feel pretty bullish on them. Boy, that's what I'm talking about. Luke coming through with the heat. Okay. Well, all right. So Luke you know, has us winning convincingly. Nick is, uh, you know, he's a Vikings fan. So he's uh, a little bit more cautious. A little, and, and, and I understand. I, I, I might be somewhere in the middle leaning more towards Nick on this one because, you know, they should mollywop this team, but uh, I don't know. But the last thing, it's not the most important. It's not the only reason we do this podcast, but it might be a part of the reason we do this podcast is, you know, I sometimes go and I, and I foolishly put Vikings on my, my, my dynasty, my, my dynasty teams. So Nick, I need you to, to help me understand what's going on with the Stefan Diggs situation. Is he going to play? Because, you know, the team, as Nick, as, as Luke said, they're not really committing one way or the other. Diggs' press conference today certainly didn't help me really get to the bottom of that, you know, with this, you know, truth to all rumors and why I didn't specifically, you need to talk to my agent to find out if you requested a trade and all of that stuff. Uh, What is going on? What are your thoughts? What is your take? What is happening with Stefan Diggs? Yeah, I feel like it spiraled out of control pretty quickly. We knew after the game that Diggs was frustrated, um, and it sounds like this has been percolating for a while, but Chad Graff had a great article in The Athletic reporting that Diggs was visibly frustrated on the sideline, was seen like shouting in the direction of Kevin Stefanski, uh, you know, play caller, offensive coordinator, was was just visibly unhappy. And then he doesn't show up to practice on Tuesday. Um, and the team discloses later that it's uh, for, what was it yesterday? It was Wednesday, I think, um, that he didn't show up to practice for um, not injury-related issues. So uh, that gets the, the, the rumor mill speculating. Uh, Ian Rappaport tweets out that um, he's frustrated. His frustration is palpable, I believe was how he phrased it in his tweet. And then we get some additional reporting, I think, from the Star Trib saying that um, he is, uh, he's very frustrated. And, um, and then everything kind of boils over today when Diggs, he shows up. So 
he's back in the building. That's good. He's practicing. He was a full participant technically, um, but he has that press conference where he says, um, you know, he kind of introduces it all by saying, like, I'm just going to try and talk a lot and and not say anything. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what Diggs said was like, I'm 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 here. I'm going to talk, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm trying to give you non-answers to everything. Um, and I feel like that's important context because I feel like some of his 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 statements were like sort of taken out of context to say like, oh yeah, like I want out. But I, I really think he was trying to give non-answers to like the trade speculation stuff. Um, like him saying there's truth to all rumors. People, I think, read that and saw, oh, well, he's obviously wants out. You know, this is another uh, Jalen Ramsey or Antonio Brown situation. I sort of read that as him saying like, I'm, I don't want to answer that yes or no. Um, he did tell Courtney Cronin asked point blank, um, have you demanded a trade? And he said no. And um, and I haven't talked to my agent about it. So that much is good news. Will he play this week? I don't know. It depends how Zimmer and Stefanski want to handle the the obviously. I mean, he's a star player. In my opinion, he's their most valuable asset. Some people might say Daniil Hunter. I would say receivers are more important. And um, Diggs is really, really good. Uh, I personally, I allow myself like two homer opinions. And one is that, that Harrison Smith is the best safety in the NFL. That one's borne out pretty well. The other one is that Diggs is is in the conversation for the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's the best route runner, in my opinion. He has the third lowest drop rate of any active wide receiver. He is the best contested catch rate over the last two years. He's elite at the catch point. He's elite of his release. Um, uh, he has the best break in his routes of anyone in the NFL. He just moves differently. Um, and he's just a monster at the catch point. And he's fantastic after the catch, too. He's one of the above average receivers at breaking tackles year after year or avoiding tackles or forcing missed tackles. So uh, just a complete receiver, uh, kind of like a build in the lab flanker in a lot of ways. But at the same time, if you don't show up to practice, um, something an old school guy like Zimmer probably isn't going to want to like just brush that off and treat it like nothing. So um, I don't know if he's in the doghouse. I don't know if they'll want him to play without repercussions. Come, uh, He also missed practice. So, you know, there's a little bit of install and stuff that he's missed out on. Um, but all that said, I would expect him to play. He's just he's just too good. You don't you don't sit someone like that. Um, you, you let him go full participation. And honestly, against the Giants team, this is your chance. Uh, we've always had the Giants number. This is your chance to sort of like prove that, yeah, Diggs is still a very important part of this offense when you go off for over 100 yards against one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. So, um, yeah, all that to say, there's a lot going on. And we can get into the contract stuff. I ultimately don't think he's going to get traded just because it, it makes like negative sense for the Vikings to do it, given their wide receiver room and the cap situation. But um, I would expect him to play, and hopefully with a productive performance, that kind of um, they have a powwow and can can get along better together to, uh, as the rest of the season goes on. So I just heard start Stefan Diggs and Luke. Uh, bring me home here. Talk to me about Stefan Diggs. What's your take? Cryptic tweets and the rest of the league being introduced to the the wonder that is, you know, emojis and and, and all of the rest on on Stefan Diggs's Twitter. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is he going to play? And also, I guess, bring me to something that, that, uh, that Nick was bringing up there in terms of, you know, how maybe Mike Zimmer might handle this based on what we, we feel like we know about his leadership style and how you think maybe we should handle this based on, again, what we know of, of Zimmer's leadership style, but also some of the research you've done in terms of, you know, leadership and, and, and how those things should go. Yeah, so... Uh, to start with, uh, yeah, Diggs is very clearly not pursuing a trade. 
That's been reported by everybody who's looked into it. It's been reported by people from other teams who's, you know, the, who cover teams that have called the Vikings and been like, hey, is Diggs for sale? And the Vikings have been like, no. But also, I mean, I, who knows? Maybe Diggs is frustrated and, hey, getting out of Minnesota, that would be cool. But he's not actively pursuing it, which he clarified in his press conference. I kind of tend to believe him on that. Um, and, and even if he was, the Vi- like he has no leverage in it. He has a ton of money tying him into the Vikings. And the Vikings can be like, no, we're not trading you, go play. And he can say, yeah, that's fine. And that would kind of be the end of it. So, yeah, I, I, I think a Diggs trade at the current moment, unless somebody offers some ridiculous, earth-shattering King's Ransom that includes, like, Pat Mahomes and a first-round pick, I don't think they're doing it. Um, but I think in terms of Mike Zimmer, I think the thing that people, like, he's an old school, he's like this rough and tumble, he's like grouchy all the time. Uh, and I think what people kind of miss about Mike Zimmer is that he has a genuine respect for his players and his players genuinely respect him back. And that's something that comes all the way from like the Parcells era. That's something that Bill Belichick also picked up. It's something I think Sean Payton does really well, all these like Parcells disciples. Um, and, and it's one of those things where like, yeah, you have to respect those people and meet them as, you know, colleagues almost. And of course, yeah, what you say will ultimately go. And if they try to you know, Mackenzie Alexander style, like try to refute that you have to take other measures. But ultimately, I think that you have to respect your players. And I think Mike Zimmer does a better job of that than people tend to think, considering the way he behaves himself in pressers and the way he yells at the ref and stuff. Um, So I I think that if, like you said, you know, if there's a kind of get right moment here and Stefan Diggs crushes DeAndre Baker for like 150 yards and two touchdowns, I, I do think that there would be this easy like reconciliation of like, okay, are we good? Then we're good. Um, but ultimately, I think the story kind of starts and ends with your wide receiver is angry and he has a point. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing that people aren't really talking about this is that like, so why is Stefan Diggs angry? Because the offense is run in a way that is nonsensical, that's wasting his talent. He doesn't care about his own stats. I, and he's said that a whole bunch of times and I believe him there. This is not a, you know, I, I, somebody posited, I think it was Ben Gessling posited that like he stands to lose a whole bunch of bonuses if he doesn't get a certain amount of production. Maybe there's something to that, but I think it's more that he can help the team win and, and not just in a, you have to trust me more, but in a, I am open, just do the smart thing and throw it to me. That I think is where the frustration is coming from. And we all agree with him. Stefan Diggs is right in all this. And maybe, you know, you don't like the way he handled it or whatever, but he is correct. His point should be listened to. So I, I kind of find it funny that there's a lot of unrest and people saying like, well, if Diggs doesn't want to play here, he doesn't have to. Like, you agree with Diggs. So why are you so mad that he's making this point? Uh, so I, I think, yeah, start him. If, if I were Mike Zimmer, I would start him and I would throw to him all the time because that is exactly what you should do on the field. And if you want to go do something purposefully dumb to put on some kind of authoritarian show, then be my guest and enjoy sitting on the couch next year. Boom. That's it. That's the show. I don't think we're going to get any better than that. Gentlemen, uh, as always, it is a pleasure. Luke, old friend, so glad to have you back on the podcast. Felt like old times, right back in the groove. As I said before, listeners, if you are not listening every day, you should be locked on. Luke, I guess I'll let you do this. You're very good at it. You do it every day. You can tell them to have their smart devices, you know, holler at locked. Tell them how they can find your podcast. 
Oh boy, yes. So you can find Locked On Vikings anywhere you find your favorite podcasts like Podbean, Spotify, whatever you listen to this on, you can find Locked On Vikings on it. Uh, or you can always ask your smart device like Alexa or Siri or Google Home or whatever. Play podcast Locked On Vikings. You tell it those words and it'll take you right to the most recent episode. Our man turned into a professional podcaster. That was very well done. Very well done. And Nick, you discovered new ways to uh, confirm your, your prior beliefs <laughs> using uh, math and R and all the rest. Uh, are you going to be putting any of that together in, in written form? Are you going to be coming through with uh, some new segments on the podcast? Where are we going to find all this awesome stuff that you're, you're digging into and researching for us? Yet? I'm just going to put it out on Twitter. That's the great thing about Twitter is like I don't – Writing an article can take so much effort and, and mental energy and you spend so much time formatting and editing and checking for typos and, and arguing with, with like the JavaScript or whatever to get your things to display the right way. And with Twitter, I just like throw it out there. And if it has typos, meh, it's Twitter. Who cares? So yeah, just find me at, um, at Nick Olson NFL, uh, Olson with an O. Um, and I'll have some interesting stuff up, uh, tomorrow if I can, tell R to correctly display the team logo names. Well, that is it. As always, listeners, thank you for sticking with us. And if you like what we're doing, hey, subscribe. Maybe throw us a rating. Tell a friend to listen. We'd be very appreciative. Uh, it's been a good time, gentlemen. I enjoyed this very much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. <laughs>